The Gospel lesson for the first Sunday in Advent comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. It's on page 697 of the Pew Bible. And this Gospel lesson reveals both the identity of Jesus and the manner of his coming. Please stand. Uh, You already are standing. Continue standing as you are able for the Gospel. From Matthew 21, beginning at verse 1, we read in Jesus' name. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Lydia, your God and King and Savior, Jesus Christ, comes to you. He comes to you humbly and gently, bringing salvation. This might seem like an odd text for the first Sunday in Advent. We also hear it on Palm Sunday, one week before Easter, and chronologically, I suppose it fits best there because it occurs exactly one week before Jesus' resurrection. But we also read it on the first Sunday in Advent because it fits very well here. It fits well in Advent because it's a fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9, which is kind of the theme verse of Advent. It goes like this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Rejoice, your king comes to you. He is humble, he is righteous, he brings salvation. Advent is a fancy Latin word that means coming. And it really captures the essence of the Christian faith. The Christian faith is not an attempt to reach up to God or to pull him down. It's not an attempt to figure him out with our reason. It's not an attempt to ascend up to him or to earn his favor through our moral performance. It's not an attempt to experience him through some kind of mystical experience. The essence of the Christian faith is that our God comes down to us. He has revealed his will in his word, and he has especially revealed his nature and his love toward us in the person of his Son, 
Jesus Christ. This is Advent, and this is the Christian faith. Our God comes to us. There are really three Advents of Christ that we consider during this season, and the easiest way to remember them is as past, present, and future. The first of these is Christ's first coming. That is his past Advent. We call it Christmas. And so the Advent season is not just pre-Christmas. It actually incorporates Christmas, but it also covers more. The theme of Christmas is one-third of the theme of Advent. And this text is especially helpful in helping us understand Christmas because it reminds us what the purpose of Christmas was. Jesus was born to die. The entire trajectory of his life was moving toward a cross on a hill just outside of Jerusalem. That is Jesus' past Advent. The second Advent we consider is the present coming of Jesus to us, and he does this through his word and sacraments. Now this one sometimes gets overlooked, and maybe because we often refer to his future coming in glory on the last day as his second coming, but there's actually another coming of Christ in between what we usually refer to as his first and second comings. Or maybe it gets overlooked because it's not fleshly, like the past and future advents of Christ. It takes faith to see this one. But Jesus comes to us now. He comes through means. That is, it's not direct. We don't see him physically. We don't hear his audible voice. And we don't touch his scarred skin. He comes through other means, namely his word and sacraments. He comes to us through the reading and preaching of Scripture. That's why we value it so highly. He came to you, Lydia, in your baptism this morning, and he will come to us in the forms of bread and wine on this altar. This is Jesus' present advent. It's ongoing, and it's what sustains us in this Christian faith. And the third advent is his future coming in glory on the last day. This is what we usually refer to as his second coming. When the whole world will see him, he will raise the dead, he will judge all mankind, the wicked will be cast into the lake of fire, and he will take his believing saints into the new creation, which is the eternal manifestation of his kingdom. This is our blessed hope, and this is Jesus' future advent. And we really consider all three of these during the season of Advent. And today, we especially consider what Jesus' donkey ride teaches us about the manner in which he comes to us. The so-called triumphal entry is one of the more well-known events of Jesus' ministry. All four of the Gospels include it, uh, and that indicates its significance. There are only a handful of events that are in all four of the Gospels. But it's really a curious event. When we stop and think about it, we can't help but say that it's just kind of weird. There's a prophetic choreography to it. What I mean is the whole thing is scripted. But that just makes it all the more curious, because who would script it this way? Jesus is approaching Jerusalem with a crowd. The Passover is coming up. Now, Jesus was becoming quite famous in Israel at this time, and there were great expectations. Many people were expecting something big from him at the Passover this year. As he approaches Jerusalem, 
he does not disappoint. He sends two of his disciples to fetch for a donkey and her colt. And Jesus' instructions here are prophetic. He tells them exactly what they will find in the village in front of them. He tells them to untie this donkey and her colt without asking permission. And he tells them to say, if anyone questions them, the Lord needs them. And that's all. (laughs) Mark and Luke tell us that everything happened exactly as Jesus said it would. And that includes the detail that people questioned the disciples, but let them go when they said, the Lord has need of them. We see from this that Jesus has choreographed the whole thing. He knew exactly what he was doing and how this was going to go. And this took place to fulfill what God had spoken through the prophet Zechariah. That's the verse we read earlier about our king coming to us, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And here we see that Jesus didn't just choreograph this the night before, but at least 500 years earlier through the prophet Zechariah. And that makes this all the more curious. If God had planned this out in advance, at least 500 years earlier, why did he plan it this way? It's not like Jesus just grabbed whatever animal was convenient at that time, and that animal happened to be a donkey colt. He specifically chose this animal 500 years earlier. But this is kind of a silly animal to be riding. Your homework today is to do a Google image search for donkey cult. And I can already tell you what your reaction is going to be. You're going to think, it's a miracle he didn't break the poor thing. There's a reason that no one had ever ridden on this donkey before. It wasn't big enough yet. But this is how God wanted to ride into Jerusalem, proclaiming himself to be king. And make no mistake about it, this is a clear declaration from Jesus that he is the king of Israel. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew the prophecy of Zechariah. Riding into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt is a clear declaration that says, I am the king of Israel, the king who was promised long, long ago. And the crowds recognized this too. That's why they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is an Aramaic word that means save us. They remembered that Zechariah prophesied their king would come on a donkey with salvation. And so they cried, Hosanna. That is, save us. And they understood that Jesus is the promised son of David. He is the king they were waiting for. Here he is, at last, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, just as the prophet foretold. This Passover would mean real freedom. This was exciting, even if it looked a little bit weird. So this whole thing was prophetically choreographed, to reveal Jesus as the true king of Israel. But it does more than that. It also reveals his nature, and it hints at the crux of his mission. He designed it this way for a reason. He comes humbly. He even comes to be humiliated. This is how he saves. It's how he answers that prayer, Hosanna. Now, every time I read this, I can't help but think of that cartoon movie, Aladdin, 
came out when I was a kid. And there's this scene when Aladdin rides through the city streets on this enormous elephant while the crowds cheer. It's a spectacle of pomp and circumstance. That's the way for royalty to enter into a city. The mode of transportation should communicate the glory and power of the royal individual. All the more when that person is the king of heaven and earth. An elephant or a majestic warhorse would seem more appropriate for Jesus. So there's a stark contrast here. All the nations of the world would laugh at this. Jesus rode a donkey colt. But it's not because that's all he could find. Now, remember, the colt's mother was there too, but Jesus didn't choose her. The donkey colt was the chosen animal to reveal the manner in which our God and King comes to us. He comes in humility. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be humble? We sometimes confuse true humility with feigned humility. Feigned humility is when you just pretend to be humble, you know, because you realize that no one appreciates arrogance. And so you give an aw shucks kind of reply to any compliment, and you make sure that you say enough negative comments about yourself that people don't think you have a big head. That's not really humility. That's just self-deprecation. True humility doesn't really pay a lot of attention to oneself. True humility looks to the needs of others. True humility always manifests itself in service to other people. Humility means that you consider others as more important than yourself. It means that you take the form of a servant. And that is what Christ did. He never ran himself down. He was better than everyone else. He is God, after all, and he wasn't afraid to say so. But he considered others to be more important. He considered your needs as more important than his own. He took the form of a servant. He became your servant. He used his superiority to serve. And that's what I want you to consider during this season of Advent. As we consider the three Advents of Christ, remember that in all three of them, Jesus comes to serve you. In his first Advent, the eternal Son of God took the form of a humble servant, a humble infant, even. He humbled himself to our level. He began where all of us begin, in the womb of his mother. He was born, he grew, he learned, he cried, he suffered, he went through everything we have to go through. And he was like us in every respect, but without sin. And he did all of this for one purpose, to save us. He did all of this to fulfill the law on our behalf, so that he might go to the cross and serve us in his death. This was the ultimate act of service. In his present advent, he still comes to serve. He comes through the reading and preaching of his word. He comes through the waters of baptism. And he comes in the forms of bread and wine. Again, he does this to serve. He does this to bring the gifts of salvation, which he accomplished by his death and resurrection, and to deliver them to us personally. He still comes to serve. Even in his future advent on the last day, he will come to serve. 
Though he will come with power and great glory, he does not do this for his own sake, but again for yours and mine. He comes to free us all once and for all from sin, death, and the power of the devil. He comes to raise our bodies from the grave and transform us into his perfect image so that we might live and reign with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. And so think about this and marvel at this. Everything the king of heaven and earth does is to serve you. He lives eternally to serve. And that's what it means that he is humble. Your king comes to you, and he comes to serve. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.